0: Welcome to Weightlifting Scoop. What's up?
1: Whoa, Travis Mash. I know <laughs> you guys recognize that voice. I'm well, getting things started.
0: What's up, guys? Jared. What's
2: going on, Travis? How you doing, man? Good to have you here.
0: I am uh, blessed to be here coaching the best weightlifters in the world. At 41 years old, what kind of what other job of the job would a guy want? I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's exciting. So, as most of you guys know from Facebook already. Um, Travis Mash has been hired as a as a third coach. So now we have Glenn Pinlay, Don McCauley, and Travis Mash. I would say that's an all star coaching cast. Well, Absolutely. you know what just
3: made this better is uh, what Travis is eating right now. <laughs> he is eating a dry cereal, Lucky Charms.
0: Lucky Charms. And when I walked in, you were eating a Cinnabut or something.
3: Oh, yeah. Way to. A- Post-competition uh, post meals. Yeah, post
0: meals. Compelio, yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, every day we need to work on this nutrition thing. Right? Well,
3: see, I think I'm going to blame it on you. What? Uh, because usually we eat lunch first. got to have enough food oh. in our bellies to actually come and do this. Oh, my fault. Yeah, so I'm then right. we, we had to go to whatever we could find.
0: Well, I had my daughter with me, so I forced you guys to go a little early. My fault. I had to eat,
3: eat that, lucky that big Texas uh, Cinnabon. Absolutely. It yeah. so, looked pretty good. Oh, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, I mean, it tasted wonderful, but it wasn't enough. There's still some in
0: your beard, so you got that for later. Yeah. 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 So, so Jay, I'm curious, like, do you, um, you know, in North Carolina, so where do you live, South Carolina or North Carolina? Uh,
2: I just signed a lease in North Carolina. So, what do you think
0: about the this part of the world?
2: I mean, I think it's nice. Uh, my grandparents live in Raleigh, so I came down here a lot as a kid. Um, I think it's real pretty. I like that there are seasons down here. Right. Uh, I grew up in New York, so. I was used to, you know, the change in leaves in the fall and things. And, uh, that's something I look forward to again. I really like the landscape out here after living in Louisiana where it's hot as hell year round and no change in seasons and just humid. It's nice to get back out this way again.
0: Yeah. I got to ask though, did you ever go to Mardi Gras?
2: Uh, I never went to Mardi Gras in New what? Orleans, but I did go to Mardi Gras. So Shreveport has like Min- the second mini Mardi Gras. Mini Mardi Gras, but right. there's still thousands and thousands of people. Okay. And Zach Schlender, who trained with us, was actually, he was the centaur. He was actually the head mascot for the parade. No so way. We, yeah, wow. we would hop on the truck and trailer with him and toss out bees and drink beer and have a good time.
0: Yeah, you, do you see any boobs? I gotta ask.
2: Several pairs. Okay. Yes. Okay. It was great. Okay. Thousands of people and only several
1: pairs. Uh, well, we did. Well, I was only counting. Several women. thousand. <laughs> so. Well, we we were talking about something that I I found interesting. It's like you know how long can you train in weightlifting, and and what are the reasons why a lot of weightlifters in the past that have gone to the Olympics were younger. And I mean, is it because older weightlifters can't train when they're older, or is it because, you know, culturally it wasn't possible to continue weightlifting into your older years? Um so so something to think about and
0: Yeah. I mean, um a friend of mine, Lauren Seagraves, actually did a study when it pertains to weightlifting and sprinters. And he said that, you know, a long time ago, based on observation People thought that weightlifters and sprinters, which are, you know, very similar in nature as far as explosiveness, that they would um age out early and that and around mid twenties that their career was over. But really what what they found out is it was just simply that they um you know, had to go get a job, man. I mean like, you know, we get you gotta support your family. I mean, James, you got a you got a kid on the way and uh Travis, someday you're gonna wanna get married and have children and so like as you got older, there was no way to support yourself. And so, but, um, now, thanks to, um, uh, you know, muscle driver and CrossFit and all the different things that are going on in the world today, you guys can actually make some money. Thank God.
3: Well, I, I've actually got a sugar mama. Um, just to be clear. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, no, I mean, that's it, kind of interesting too. I mean, cause there are some, uh, older weightlifters out there that are still throwing on some big weights. I know most of them tend to be supers, but I think that's partially, uh, Due to the fact that supers peak a little bit later, but it'll be interesting to see how the change in, uh, supporting weightlifters will have the older athletes well, stick uh, around for longer.
1: A lot of other countries too, they, they were, um, a lot of successful countries were kind of centralized when it came to Olympic sports and weightlifting. So you look at, uh, Soviet Russia or you look at, um, uh, Bulgaria back in the day. Um, so if you had two weightlifters that were roughly even and one of them is 20 years old and one of them's 30, you're usually just going to pick the lifter who's 20 years old and start yeah. developing them. Um, so it's not necessarily that the 30-year-old wasn't as good or better than the 20-year-old. It's just it was centralized and there wasn't qualifying procedures. There was a coach that said, I want to take this athlete.
0: Right. You know, you you know, a good example of someone who can uh is actually doing well, Greg Everett. I mean, he's in his he's what, thirty six and um mm-hmm. coaches his own team and runs his own business and that dude still seems to uh be getting better. A key PR, uh at the at the Nationals was a PR total. So Yeah,
3: what what do ended up doing? I know he did like thirty seven and
0: uh I thought he hit forty on the snatch. Forty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um like one seventy on on the clean and jerk, one seventy something clean and jerk. I mean you know, yeah, for duty works full time. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. and
1: uh, I mean Chad Vaughn. Chad Vaughn is—I uh, don't know how old he is now, but he's definitely thirty-two or older. Uh, maybe even thirty-four is what I heard. So eighty-three, um, whatever that puts. Eighty-three on. birthday. Okay, so yeah, that's thirty-one or thirty-two. Thirty-one. Oh, yeah, okay. he's, he's okay.
0: exactly ten years younger than me.
1: So I'm—I'm so uh, I'm speaking out of line here, but he is over thirty, and he's continuing to do well. Um, you know, and I expect him to come to the next meet. And put up, you know, close to what he's ever done. And, and so I think you can definitely train later. And, and it's interesting because I always viewed weightlifting as something, as a sacrifice, um, where I would train for weightlifting until 2016. And I would work my minimum wage job, right. sacrifice it. It's, it's what I love to do. You know, this is the only time I have to do it. And I was just going to do that. And then as soon as it was over, 2016 was over, I planned on moving on, getting a full-time job and basically forgetting about weightlifting. And, and my plan had started, you know, 10 years ago. So that was before CrossFit was big. And now I'm like, I don't
3: think even CrossFit was around 10 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, CrossFit, it was an idea somebody. Yeah.
0: Right. Was that when that, that's when it it came to be 2007?
2: I,
1: I think so. Somewhere around there, two thousand six and seven. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but nowadays it's like you know what, like, why stop training? You yeah. Know, you, you can, you can make a living doing this, even if it's not as much money as you can make doing something else. You can make a living, and you wake up every day happy, and I think that's the most important thing.
0: Totally agree with you. I mean, you guys, as long as you're a little creative, there's lots of avenues now for you, you know, to make money. You know, whether it be on the internet or whether it be doing. You no, know, once a month a seminar. I mean, so a lot more opportunities that that we that you guys have that we didn't when I was your age trying to do this thing. So, I mean, I would have loved to have had this. So.
1: And now both of you guys having a powerlifting background, I've I've heard rumors that you hit your peak in the powerlifting movements at you know quite a bit older than than in what is traditionally seen in Olympic li- lifting.
0: Right. You yeah, know well. I think here's what happens: Is it someone? I think it has more to do with the fact that we can work a job and do powerlifting. You know, like power powerlifting, you can work out four times a week and be just fine. I mean, really, I mean that's all I trained four days a week and was able to be a world champion and uh, still work a job. And I think it had more to do with that because in uh, I was like 33 years old and I made a short comeback in weightlifting. And in no time, I could clean and jerk over 400 pounds and I was snatching in the threes, like, instant, you know, like within maybe a month of coming out of retirement. So that was 33. So I, and I felt like I could continue to improve, but then mm-hmm. I, you know, I broke my neck and that slowed that down. So, but I think you guys could progress, you know, mid thirties easily is, is my thoughts. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, uh, and I had to step out for a couple of minutes, but when you say mid thirties, there's a guy, uh, I believe his name is George. He's from, uh, from okay. Canada. And he's in his mid, he's like he's 38. thirty eight. he's 38 and he's been to several world championships and he was ranked number one in Canada. And if they had gotten the spot, he would have been the one to go to the Olympics. And I mean, at 38 as a super heavyweight, he was clean and jerking.
1: I mean, around 500 pounds, 227 kilos. Wow. Yeah, he, he just uh, won the Commonwealth Games actually really? um, last week. And he cleans your two twenty nine. Yeah, so over five hundred pounds. Thirty eight years old.
0: I mean, see, guys, I think like you guys, you know, with um, the situations y'all, you know, have made for yourselves. I can see you got you three easily lifting into your mid to upper thirties, maybe forty. I mean, you know, like you, Jared. Now that you're with with Outlaw, I mean, you guys have got several several avenues to make money and still be able to lift full time. So yeah, and
2: that and that is absolutely huge. I mean, I again, I missed the last. Five minutes or so of this conversation, but you know, if you look at people like Shane Hammond, Oscar Chaplin, uh, some of the some of the greatest in the you know that we've ever seen, who were around the early to mid nineteen nineties, uh, even to like ninety six, um, they well even two thousand, right? So yeah, yeah Shane's so, so, last was two thousand. Yeah, man. so mid nineties, early to mid nineties yeah, to early two thousands, and um, I mean those guys retired, at, you know, well. Oscar was injured, but there was at that point in time, there was no money to be made in whale thing. I mean, no. you would get a, a modest stipend from USA Whale thing, but you it. weren't making any other money. If you yeah. were an Olympic medalist like Cheryl was, you could make money doing speeches and things like that. But that's because she was an Olympic medalist.
1: Any Olympic medalist would have that opportunity. And just happened to have the personality where she yeah. wasn't afraid to get up in front of people and be exciting.
0: Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. A, yeah, there was nothing. You know, like... Around 1996, the stipends, you know, though were a little bit better, but still, you know, the amount of money they made was—they really had to be creative. And like all of them had jobs. I know Wes Barnett. I mean, the way I got into weightlifting, he mm. coached me. Like he was—he would coach part time. I'm thank God he did. I mean, I wouldn't have had a coach. But um, he would coach part time while he was still lifting full time. And so they had to find creative ways to make money. You know, and Pete Kelly—that dude ran a vending uh, company. <laughs> he had a little bitty vending machine. Dude made bank though from them. You wouldn't believe how much money he made from like little bubble gum machines. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah it was crazy.
2: Well, what, what's crazy is that you'd have to be that creative to make money as a whalester. Now, it's pretty simple. If With CrossFit, I mean, thank God that CrossFit's come around and has incorporated whalesting so much. No doubt. I mean, you if you're a good whale, I mean, you don't even have to be a great whalester. But if you're a good whalester and you understand the movements, I mean, you're already ahead of the game and you can get a job. Coaching whales pretty easily, no now Yeah, you,
0: you know, you even got uh, opportunities online to, to yeah. help people coach. Yeah. I mean, you can sit in your underwear on your couch and, and <laughs> help people. You know, you know, give so now, a service and make money. You know,
1: now everybody knows your secrets. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. coaching. I could see Tom Sroka doing that. I don't. I just... <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. uh, Wearing
2: his neon tights.
3: But yeah, I mean, Shut like up. like
1: I said, you know, the, a lot of those countries that are traditionally dominant in weightlifting they have a formula and they've stuck to it and they kind of phase weightlifters out as they approach their high 20s and it's not because those weightlifters all of a sudden suck it's just because the coach chooses who they want and and they start moving on to the next generation whereas you know here the qualifying procedures are different we don't have a national coach that chooses a team i mean thank god um a lot of people train on their own and then we go to meets, and whoever places the highest in the rankings gets chosen. So, you know, it's a fair qualifying procedure. And so going into your upper uh, 20s, early 30s, you can still make the team. If you make the total, you're on the team. You you don't just not get chosen because right. you're old.
0: Well, you know, Shane, I just did the math. Like, when his second Olympics in 2004, I mean, he was 32. Mm-hmm. So And he was still killing it, hitting, hitting all-time numbers. And so... You know that that's a great example. Of course, he started a little bit late, and he started like a year, before, maybe a year or two before I did. And um, you know, but that strength, I'm sure, helped. Thousand eight pound oh squat yeah. helped it a lot. You know, so
2: I'm sure that did nothing for his weightlifting. Yeah, no, I mean, he must have done CrossFit first. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter how much you can squat.
3: No, no. <laughs> if, you, if you can't pull that bar up and get it onto your chest, really throw the hips forward underneath it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. What? Is this a joke right now? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> like I'm like I'm new, so I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. Yeah. J- James was being facetious, yeah. I guess. Yeah, right.
1: Um, he's hard to read sometimes because because yeah. sometimes he is serious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> his, his expressions don't
0: change. You know, he can hide behind his beard. You know, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but um, you know, like I'm just curious. Like you guys, like what are your plan? How long do you guys plan on compete on competing and training?
3: You know, I've I've been training since I was 14 and uh, powerlifting. I had a big, uh, a big group of people that I would train with. And, uh, you know, we, that's just what we did. We weren't really – didn't have a problem being motivated to go train because that's just what we did. We went there. Uh, we went to training. We were there every time. We never really missed. It wasn't because we had, like, excellent discipline or anything like that. It's just kind of what we did. We went to the gym and we trained. And, uh, you know, I think I kind of took that – Mentality through college, and it was a little bit harder at times, especially when I was training alone. But I always just kind of, all right, time to go train. It wasn't like, oh man, I got to find the motivation to get up and go train. It was like, okay, it's Wednesday at five o'clock, time to go train. Um, and you know, I really think I'll probably just keep taking that same mentality uh, until I get older. Of course, my training goals are going to have to change uh, with a changing body as you get older. Uh, you have to adjust things, but I don't see not training being part of it. And uh, I'm assuming my competitive nature won't go away either, so I'll still want to compete. Um, But I would definitely want to compete into the Masters competitions. uh, So that would be well past uh, 2020. Well, what's that? Six years? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, no doubt. So, like, um, you know, you think about two more Olympics is what you're thinking? Well, there's
3: 16 and 20, which... uh, I see no reason why I wouldn't even be here right. at Muscle Driver training through those uh, two yeah. Olympics. And then after that, I mean, who knows? Uh, depends on different situations. I'll probably still train full-time just a matter of uh,
2: nine times a week. Hmm, maybe
3: not when I'm... Right. There. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. What about you, Jared? You're the youngest.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been whaling since I was 10 years old, you know. It's become a lifestyle for me. It's right. been one of the few things in my life that has been consistent for the better better part of my life, I mean, that's something very similar to what what uh, James said. I mean, it's something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It's what I've always done. It's what I know. Um, as far as being competitive, uh, 2016, 2020 are, are pretty much guarantees as long as I'm healthy. Um, and then 2024, I would be, I've done the math before, I would be either 31 or 32. So you, um, you can still do it? So yeah, I mean, as long as I'm as as long as I you know barring injury, twenty twenty four is still in the realm of possibility, and and it just depends, you know, as long as there's still a market to make money and do this full time. If I could do, if I could just weightlift full time and make a great salary, and you know even have a family if I wanted to, just lifting weights, then I would love to make that my career as long as possible. Right. Um
0: not so. too many three time Olympians out there? Be I mean I think that's a great goal to shoot for.
2: Yeah. So. Well, we've got. Shoot, who? There's not many at all. I mean, Tommy Kono was three times.
1: Like, uh, maybe Fred Lowe. Fred. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to go back when, when we got full teams. Right. Uh, and, um, and, and stuff like that. And But in the modern age, there's no one. Yeah, in the modern, modern yeah. age, no. you, even. A lot of two
0: times, but not many three.
1: Yeah, in the modern era, I mean, Oscar had the best chance, but he got hurt, you know, leading up to 2008. And then, um, Chad had a chance. Leading up to 2012, and he got hurt. So um, mm-hmm. there's a couple people who had a chance. You know, Shane probably could have done it had he, had he stuck with it. He's probably the only one that, that really could have done it. Right. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Well, you know, Kendrick Ferris, at this point now, I mean, you can't count him out. He may be oh, sure. potentially the first um, three-time Olympian in modern times. I mean, well, I say modern times, like the last, yeah, I know, you know, 20, no, I
0: 20 years. The last yeah. 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, last 20 at least. Because, I mean, like the guys I trained with, Wes was a two-time. See, Timmy McRae was a two-time. Tom Goff was a one or two-time. Pete Kelly one time. So, yeah. I don't know uh, any three-time.
2: Well, I mean, and now being a three-time Olympian says so. I mean, not to take away from those who have made it three times, but now – when we only get one spot for the Olympics, it's and, even harder. I mean, jeez, when we had you know three and five and eight even eight even ten in '96, we had ten athletes yeah. go to the Olympics. Could you imagine that today? That
0: would be sweet. I mean, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, there's a good chance next year with the Olympics being in Houston. That's really going to give you guys a little that, bit better uh, opportunity. I hope. Well, the, 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 the world, world, world championships. Right. Yeah, what did I say? The Olympics. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean the world. Yeah, I mean the qualifying procedures. Yeah, it, it will.
2: W- yeah. It will give us it. The home advantage, we don't have to travel as far, but you're right, that hopefully that will give us... A
0: little steeper drug testing protocol, hopefully, I mean so. Well, that won't change. Yeah,
2: probably not. But the the home advantage, we don't have to travel 20 hours to get somewhere, you know, everybody has to come Mm -hmm. here, we're going to have our fans, our family, you know, we know, and and the other thing when you go to these other countries is the quality of food and and things like here you know, there's Whole Foods, there's Walmart, there's cbs there's everything right around the corner right. and you have access to it where if you go to kazakhstan which is where the worlds are this year who knows what there's going to be you don't no, know no. you know you have to be as prepared no big as possible texas cinnamon buns there
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. or even like you know i competed once in finland and it was daylight all day long so you really? had to deal with that it was the food crazy. was awesome no doubt but it was it was daylight so you had to get like black shades and like six days you, uh well look night
3: when you go to a world championships they actually feed you three meals a day yeah so but again you still don't know what kind of kind of food you're getting well yeah in a way but I mean they they have to follow a certain amount of like lean meats a uh, certain amount of carbohydrates they've got a very strict like outline that they have to follow but like as far as what type of meat like uh What did we get at the last one? Uh, mice uh,
2: pad. Mice pads. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I'm that not was, sure what that is. They, that was a Pan Am. They right? weren't
1: actually mice. I took a picture of it and sent it to one of my Polish friends, and and he he said that's just what they call it. But uh, sure. But yeah, sure. we yeah, it's they, like they their version of funny. spam
3: or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like a yeah. mixture of like goat and chicken or something. I don't <laughs> know.
0: Just, and and mice. Ellie, uh, what are your plans?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't see ever not lifting weights. um, now weightlifting and lifting weights is different. Um, but as long as I'm healthy and I enjoy the sport, I see no reason to stop. <laughs> Don't go and <on> confusing people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I will always go to the gym and lift weights. And and whether it's, you know, maybe after I'm done weightlifting and the sport of weightlifting, I train for a powerlifting meet for fun. I'll never take it as seriously as as weightlifting, but um. Yeah, I mean, I, I see no reason. Like I said, I always viewed it as a sacrifice. Now that it's not a sacrifice, 2020, I see no reason to not train for the, till then. Sweet. Um, And then, you know, 2024 is probably too late to actually make the Olympics, but I see no reason to not train, be in the sport, coaching athletes, training with those athletes. You know, that will give them motivation because I'll still be healthy enough to train with them and motivate them because they'll kind of be at the beginning stages. And so I can kind of like, you know, snatch and clean jerk more than them, and say you're letting an old man beat you. You know, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. wish I could
0: do that to you guys, but no. I might yeah. <laughs> out squat you, maybe. I don't know. You guys are pre- What's your uh, best squat of all time? Eight oh five.
2: That's still a hell of a lot more than any of us do. But that but was, not that was now. probably belt suit.
0: No, that was raw. Oh damn, yeah, that was raw. No belt suit a whole lot more than that. Okay. Yeah, I've done you over do. a thousand, you know, with belt suit, but damn. Eight oh five raw. 5 so, but not now. So if I can still go over 272 any day I want.
2: Mm, Strong so, old man.
0: Trying. Damn. I don't want you guys just to wreck me. I refuse to be that. I don't want to be one of those old coaches. <laughs> I don't want to be old and crippled now. <laughs> no. oh, Plus, I got a young wife. I mean, I got to stay.
1: Yeah, you got to stay limber. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Vibrant. Well, th- this kind of brings us to another topic that we were talking about on like the, the importance of GPP and weightlifting and, and what do we actually consider GPP. Um, so coming from a powerlifting background, both James and Trav, um, there's a lot of variety in powerlifting. Um, in order to increase your squat, you're going to do a lot of different exercises. Maybe you guys can expand on
0: that. I mean, you can go first, six.
1: Yeah, I guess in my uh, in my training,
0: I
3: had a lot more variety. And, um, you know, when I started training again when I was 14. And... Uh, the majority of us that were uh, training together, we both did powerlifting and uh, we wrestled. Uh, and then the nature of wrestling too is to be able to be uh, prepared for multiple different angles. So your training variety is a little bit more diverse in that aspect too. But uh, we had a lot of uh, like different type of back work. Like we would do reverse hypers, back extensions, um, suitcase deadlifts, uh, What else we got? Uh, we would do round back, back extensions, straight back, back extensions. Uh, and really there's, I could just go on and on with all the different variations. You guys do west
0: side. It sounds, it sounds like you guys did a lot of west side barbell, but.
3: Yeah, you know, we kind of followed that template where it was like, um, you know, uh, speed, speed, uh, max effort, max effort or conjugate, max effort. Uh, but then we'd also, uh, like go off into like different phases. That would be like, I would say over fifty percent of our training was that style, and then the other fifty percent we'd go in to do something like uh, like five percent solutions, uh, and then we'd still have the assistance work at the end, um, and then just other like styles of programs. Sometimes we'd go crazy and do hundred reps of dips, hundred reps of push-ups, no, hundred right pull-ups. Right. You know, uh,
0: it sounds like CrossFit. <laughs> well,
3: you know, this was this was before CrossFit.
0: Oh, so you guys invented it? Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you need to
0: go see <laughs> those dudes, yeah. <laughs> no,
2: I mean like
3: when when I was younger, you're a wrestler, you don't really weigh anything. I mean, you could you could bust out 100 100 dips in like two sets. Right. So, I mean, it it wouldn't it wouldn't be crazy. It Wouldn't be CrossFit. I mean, we'd still take our 10 minutes rest in between, you know. Right. Not a uh, not into conditioning then either.
0: I never did a lot of the rounded back stuff. I never really bought into that, just, you know, for the risk of injury, I thought. You know,
3: you know we never did it, like, loaded in a standing position, but a rounded back, um, back extension when you hold the weight in the hands. Right. Uh, we would do that a little bit, although the focus was to teach the erectors to be, like, the stabilizers, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, but we would still get that variety and train it in both ways, and so you get just a better feeling for the backside of your body. Uh you know what? something else that we had a ton of work in is hamstring curls. Hamstring mm-hmm. curls, one leg deadlifts, I mean all sorts of different hamstring curls. Uh prone kneeling, standing, dumbbells, I mean, uh putting the bands around your ankles and doing hamstring curls. We just did a ton of hamstring
0: work. As you should. You know, I think um probably the best exercise that, that um uh, gave me the the highest gain for the amount of time I did it. Um Ed Cohn told me to do RDLs elevated with uh with a band hooked underneath. Now it was it was a strong band. It was a it was a thick green band doubled. And so I ended I worked up to like working sets of four fifty five plus the bands for sets of six. And then uh six to eight week block, my deadlift went from seven twenty two to that was my first eight hundred pound deadlift. Jesus. In six to eight weeks. It was it was insane. And the only thing I added was that crazy exercise talk about wrecking your hamstrings but um and i barely yeah. deadlifted heavy the whole time i did those i did like um mostly just speed deadlifts mm-hmm. went up to maybe in training 700 or 720 you know just for an explosive you know rep that's all i did and then at the meet 800 pounds so yeah
1: will you, will you explain that one 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 more time what you did <laughs>
0: I was, um, I was, it was from a deficit, maybe four to six inch deficit. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing on something mm-hmm. and, um, I put a band literally underneath the platform I was standing on. Oh, okay. And hooked it to the sides of the, of the bar.
1: Okay. I see. Yeah. I see what you mean. I mean, I get, I'll fun. do i I'll
0: try to do a video maybe for you guys, but it, it really worked a crap load for my pull. Hmm.
1: So, you know, I had,
0: uh, you know, I had John doing some of that. You might have, you know, if you ever watched the videos of when he was training mm-hmm. me, but he did some of that too. So.
1: Yeah, I've actually been doing a lot of hamstring work uh lately uh dumbbell suitcase deadlifts, one leg deadlifts and um and just more um higher hips deadlifts like a more traditional deadlift work the hamstrings and glutes and some uh sumo stance good mornings um yeah. just to focus on the hamstrings and glutes. Um
0: super important to the pull, man. I mean, first
1: few days, I honestly couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> it was pretty yeah, bad, but yeah. I I'm already adapting a little bit. It's certainly getting a lot stronger in those areas. So, those have always been my weakness. So I feel like it definitely can't hurt. So,
0: no doubt. You know, fit. I love what you're talking about. You know, fixing some muscular imbalances. But, I mean, when you get as good as you guys are, it's the little things that are going to separate you from everyone. Because when you oh, think yeah. about when oh, you yeah. think about you three, like, the difference in like you know you guys and like a few spots on either direction up or down, it's minimal. You're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, three, to you know, one to three percent difference, and so now it becomes the little things you do that make that one three percent exactly. Yeah, so,
1: exactly. so we've we've given examples of a ton of different exercises that you guys might consider GPP for weightlifting, um, but what it, what is this importance in weightlifting? Of course, it has a spot, but I mean, how much emphasis do you put on this stuff, or do you guys think? Because um, at the end of the day, we're only judged on our total. So
0: snatch, nice, cleans, or yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that needs to be the majority. The snaps and cleanser needs to be the majority. Then, um, I would say squats coming, you know, close second and then the rest of this. So maybe what 20, 20 uh, 25% of your training or less should be like GPP, but it's, yeah, I would, I would say user. that sounds
2: like a good
3: number, actually. I would, I would say would, one month out of the year. And yeah. I think that would be more than enough if you focused a lot during that one month.
0: I would think, I mean, um,
3: and I prefer, well, this is just me, um, Coming from like, like changing my program completely. Right. Where I did often where I would do maybe like, I don't know, maybe three to four months out of the year, it would be kind of a higher volume, like structural balance, uh, more of like the general prep stuff, you know, one leg work all the time. Um, now then going into weightlifting, I've cut out a majority of that and really just focused on bettering my technique, uh, getting better positions for weightlifting. Getting better at weightlifting, just in general. Um, I think once uh, once a year, a month phase would be just enough to uh, kind of keep you keep you healthy.
2: Well, I think I think that it depends a lot on your background. Right. I mean, you came from years and years of powerlifting, basically GPP programming for weightlifting. You know, you just got really strong. Oh, um, powerlifting, for powerlifting. Oh, we're still talking about for powerlifting. Or oh, no, no, no. If you were talking about me. I, we did years of general prep for powerless. Right. But, but even still, it's all the same, right? I mean, it's still that general conditioning. For, to get for the strong for, yeah. Yeah. Plan. I mean, like, so I think it depends on your background. I mean, one month out of the year. Um, I mean, like, so coming from Kyle Pierce's program, a lot of that stuff is just through the whole program is just general preparation type stuff. Lots of high volume, lots of push press, lots of press, lots of core, lots of like general preparation stuff for the list. And that's the majority of the program. So, I mean, that entire program is a lot of preparation, like constantly. It's, I mean, not even, yeah. we would only, we would do two clean workouts a week and two snatch workouts a week. And we were always squatting, always pulling, always, um, pressing, doing pressing, ex- back extensions, all that stuff. So, I mean, if you take a program <laughs> like that, well, it's a, almost, it's half. I mean, that's like half. Yeah, well, let me, let me say that too.
3: Like, those are all, all the stuff that they do, they do to strengthen too. Where I guess when I'm thinking GPP, I'm thinking more like injury prevention. Okay. So this would be like the one month of the year where you like lighten your load, like the safe, you work mostly on shoulders. You do like, I don't know if some people call them Cuban presses, you
2: rotate oh, you're saying. things like, like that. Like your you are about more like injury prevention. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm you know, thinking like just general prep strength. for the, yeah. 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 Okay. So
3: you're getting into more specific training. when I think of when you think of like pulls and. And push presses and things like that. I'm thinking even more general exercises. Gotcha. Okay. Like hamstring curls. Right. Good mornings. Well, good mornings are a little bit specific, but that's. I
0: definitely think when, when you see like as a coach, if I, you know, if I can identify like a specific weakness that you might have, I think at that point to spend a little extra time on. Overcoming that weakness would pay out big dividends. I think that's the one thing that I still take from West Side Barbell is identifying a weakness and, you know, attacking it. Mm-hmm. And so, and we're all going to, even John had plenty, you know, and I'm sure you got all of us. There's going to be something that yeah. you need to like bring up. It's like sculpting. And if you're just, yeah.
3: if you don't know your weakness, you're just ignoring it, truthfully. I mean, right. you can even look at those percentages. I know exactly what my weakness is. I yeah. mean, if you compare my pool to my squat, there's a, there's like a, uh, what's it? I don't know the percentage. It's 600 compared to 500. Right. Uh, there's a huge difference there. So yeah, I know what my weakness is. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and then it's just really about
0: working on it. Right. Totally.
1: I mean, I guess so, you know, what, what is going to make your, your squat reach your deadlift? You know, is it, is it just squatting or are there specific muscles that are holding you back from squatting? Then you have to identify that and everybody's going to be different in that area. Or yeah, your know. squatting
0: technique. I mean, you know, I think in weightlifting sometimes how to squat gets lost. It's like you just mindlessly squat. And there are ways you can squat more weight. I mean, obviously, you know, powerlifting has proven that. And so, but with weightlifters, sometimes they just go and they just squat and they get it, th- you know, get it, get through it. But the, there are techniques that will help you guys squat heavier right away. Mm-hmm. And so identifying that too. Mm-hmm. No. But,
1: um yeah, so even – uh even online, there's been a lot of threads about GPP and stuff, and people disagree about what GPP is. So I thought it was interesting, you know, when when Jared's in his mind, GPP was this, and then in in uh, James's mind, GPP is this. Some people view GPP as um, getting on the treadmill and, and and taking a walk, you know, or or you
0: know, I just, doing I some mean, cardio. What is the definition? I just think so, general physical preparedness. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm thinking one's ability to perform more work than the day before. I mean.
2: I mean, yeah, that was why I was thinking, like, again, Kyle's program, I and mean, <coughs> I think of that as a lot of the basis of that being a strength and conditioning program. He so does I, look at, yeah. Yeah, so I think of GPP when I think of that program itself, just because it's so much volume and so much work on accessories yeah. um, and strengthening all the muscles required for the snatch and clean jerk. That's why I think of the emphasis of that program being GPP, whereas uh, James's uh, idea of GPP is basically injury prevention, which you know i mean any i mean whatever you define it as you
3: know
0: i mean when yeah. th- the the whole thing is general physical preparedness there's not really a good definition yeah. yeah. well
3: and then yeah. one thing i think we could all agree on is that it's a little bit of higher reps you know yeah you're not you're not conditioning doing, yeah. doing yeah. a one rep max on your absolutely yeah. rotator
1: cuff 6 yeah. to 10s yeah. huh? for weightlifting right. on you know yep yeah. yeah so uh, what do
0: you what do you think about you know like the program changes here i mean it's a more of a focus on weightlifting versus like um you know, general strength.
2: Um, well, Travis and I actually had a long conversation yesterday about these kind of things. I mean, we talked for a couple hours. Um, and I mean, and we could go on about this all day. But basically, my my general thought is, so this is this program that we're following with Don. And granted, I still have a my view of this program is slightly skewed because I came in right before nationals and right. was on the peaking uh, and then taper. So I've only seen two weeks of well, just shy of two weeks of the reg- regular program. Um, but what I've seen from this at this point is there's a lot more lists. Um, the emphasis is on the list, less on the accessories. Right. We still do them, but there's less emphasis. Um, and what I, what my opinion was, and what I told Travis was, if you think of something in a macro cycle, so you take like two meso cycles being like 12 weeks long right. and you put them together and you come up with a macro cycle that's six months long right. and then you run to it twice and then you have like a year long macro cycle. My thought was like, if you were to take Kyle's program, which is a lot of, in my mind, GPP accessories, you're getting strong, you're getting conditioned. Um, and if you look at any periodized program, the beginning of this, of like a macro cycle is general preparation, right. higher volume, lower intensity, uh, less specific, um, just getting in shape. And then the second half of that macro cycle is higher intensity, lower volume, your technique is improving. Um, and you're getting more specific for the competition. Right. So in my mind, Kyle's program is a great general preparation cycle. And then if you throw something in like Don's program, you're going to get better at the list because you're doing them more frequently. You're going to get higher intensities more regularly. Um, so I think that Don's program is a great program for developing that technique if you already have a really solid foundation.
0: Which you do coming from that. From yeah. four years of that
2: program. Exactly. You know, I think it's
0: going to be interesting to see what happens with you because, you know, you are so strong and so developed, you know, from that, from that pro type of strength conditioning program. To come in here, it might be the perfect combination.
2: And that's exactly what I was thinking. The only, the only thing that, that kind of stinks is, and I'm slightly hindered is, is coming off this back injury. Right. It's not like I came, you know, right here after, at my peak, you know, so now I'm kind of, climbing back up, so to speak. Well, I
0: think your body, I I, don't, I really don't believe that'll be a problem because I think your body, you know, knows where it's, it's got this, you know, when you do something, say like um, when you squat 600 pounds, that's, you know, ingraining in, in yeah, your body like forever. Right, right. So, like, you'll get that back from mm-hmm. the squatting that you're going to do here. Yeah, one, once yeah. you've
1: done something, it's easy to get right. back to, like, 95% of right. it. Yeah. No Some, sometimes that last 5% getting back up to it is pretty tough, but... For the most part, like, you can get up to, like, 90% of your all-time lifts very, that. very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and I
2: totally agree. It's not like those four years of work are gone because there yeah. were seven months where I hardly did much. Right no, it's forever. still exactly, Cle- exactly... Clearly not. You snatched 171 the other day, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, and Clearly not, yeah. yeah. I mean, and the one... And this is something else, you know, that I've been thinking is, is it didn't take me too long to get... I mean, I did a snatch PR, and... It wasn't too difficult to get back up to doing a one rep max in the snatch. Um, but what I'm really finding I'm having a difficult time with is getting back to handling my back, handling the volume. Right. So, I mean, getting up to high intensity, very low volume wasn't too difficult. But now that we're handling a lot of volume at relatively, you know, moderate intensities, that's where I'm really. To where we're actually working and we're actually improving, you know, the peaking phase you're not you're not really improving, you're just getting crisp and sharp. Now this part of the training, where you're actually building,
1: that's where I'm having a difficult time really getting back into it. Right. Well, Well, for me, I had um, so in high school, it was uh, it was very GPP oriented in a lot of different ways. I wrestled, I did this sport, that sport, and and our uh, our weightlifting class was very diverse. I mean, we would do all kinds of dumbbell work, squatting for 15 reps with heavy weight, um, just a lot of different things. So, um, but then after that, I kind of, you know, I got into the sport of weightlifting, and and there hasn't been that much GPP. And um, I think, you know, James, you're now three years strict on weightlifting, two and a half years strict on weightlifting only.
3: You know, I started when I was 21, so it's actually four years now. I'm kind of sneaking up there
1: but uh, yeah. but uh for you because you had such a diverse training background for so long um i think it's easier for you to maintain the um the strength on a lot of your gpp exercises i guess per se whereas i kind of took a hiatus from doing that stuff after high school so for maybe 7 years i didn't do a whole lot of of different stuff besides just weightlifting movements yeah. um which which kind of has caused me to i guess have to you know, maybe put a little more emphasis at this point um, due to some imbalances. So yeah, that's one thing I'm actually excited to work with you, Travis, because of your powerlifting background. Just working on uh, you know, weaknesses, and maybe you'll have a different um take on some of these these things that I can do and hold me accountable. So
0: I will definitely do that. Yeah, I want to see. You know, my goal coming here, you know, you get an opportunity like this to come with you guys being the best in America. You know. I, I definitely want to be add something to the group and my goal for each of you is to be the absolute best. I mean, so
2: I think the thing that's so awesome about what you bring to the table, Travis, I mean, I mean several several qualities, but one of them being is your strength and conditioning and right. an overall strength background. Right. I mean, Don, like we just talked about, his program is very whale thing exclusive. Right. But you bring in someone else who has that strength and conditioning background, I mean, there's so many things that you can bring to the table as far as, you know, work above and beyond the right. program you know these the gpp we're talking about the uh injury prevention there's so many things that you bring to the table that we will utilize it's gonna yeah, i mean you're gonna have the best of both worlds and that's basically. what he said
0: i think now we're gonna now that there's so there's three of us that we want to do a lot more individual type things so i look forward to that you know like taking a person breaking them down you know finding that one little weakness that could be the difference in them being you know second and first so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my goal. I right. think
2: that's great. I'm I'm super excited to have you here, Travis. That's for sure, man.
0: Cool. I'm glad to be a part of the team, man. I'm re- I'm ready for next week. Next week is when I start, you know, being here full time. But um, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm very excited. We're looking to so three, buy a house down here and um, be here forever. That's my three, goal.
1: Three times a week at first until you kind of kind of get down here on yeah. the on the two a day sessions.
0: Yeah, I want to be here. Yeah, my goal is you know my wife and I are looking to to buy a house down this way, and my uh, goal is to be here for forever. I mean, this is my dream job. So um I'm going to work hard to make y'all yeah, super yeah. good, so I keep my <laughs> dream job, you yeah? know, so you son of a gun, so yeah, I look forward to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh definitely one thing that we don't want to get lost is that this is the sport of weightlifting, so while GPP definitely has its place, I mean, you know, you got to snatch and clean and jerk a lot, and, you know, you got to squat and pull a lot, so you know, focus on those big things, but, but, but focus on GPP exercises on your weakness. You know, if you're strong in the squat, don't do a bunch of exercises to build the squat. Yeah. Right. If you're strong on the the deadlift, you probably don't need to do a lot of accessory exercise geared towards, you know, strengthening your back for the deadlift or, you know, so. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, I see
3: so many people that you know, they see, they feel like, oh, I'm the best at this exercise. So I'm going to do it all the time. And yeah, they, the majority yeah. of their training is that exercise. Um, any, yeah, name, any names ring a bell? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm staying out of that one. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. I think you probably were thinking somebody else. Uh, I know who I was thinking. Oh, who? But I'm not even saying that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm almost positive I know he's talking. About,
3: yeah. We'll leave that up for,
2: every, for, the, yeah. for it, you listening. It might yeah.
3: be you that is listening right now. Yeah, we're actually. You never you, know.
2: You. Yeah. And, and well, and you know, I mean, that's the natural tendency of people. We like to do what we're good at. I mean, everyone—I'm sure everyone's guilty of that of that at one point or another. And that's what's so difficult. And that's why having a coach is great. Because Maybe even three
0: coaches—they hold you accountable.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you <laughs> suck at something and you don't want to do it, or you're embarrassed to do it, you have a coach riding your ass that's saying, "Hey, just, listen, you're going I to do mean, this."
0: The biggest one—the of the biggest ones, you know, people who suck at jerks—they just want to clean. Yeah. And they'll make up yeah. every excuse in the world about, oh, you know, my soul. My, my or, wrist. you
2: know, the other thing is, uh, I mean, we see this. I mean, Rudy always hounds on it at the outlaw camps. A lot of people don't like to do a full clean, they like to the power clean yeah. because they can't get it. So they'll power clean. But yeah. If you never do the full clean, you're not going
0: to improve. You're never going to get good. Well, yeah. exactly.
2: You should yeah. tell yourself you're
3: not allowed to do power clean. A, yeah. There you go. And this
0: is a great reason why, you know, I always teach full cleans first. I don't teach, you know, I know a lot of people, I'm not saying it can't work so for all you coaches that are yelling at me I'm not saying that but personally I choose to teach the full clean first I don't teach a power clean because power clean is easy to get people feel confident with it and then you're saying alright now I'm to teach you full cleans it becomes so hard same thing with yeah. power snatch I just teach full right out of the gate
1: now uh, now since you've come on board I, I was talking with uh, a couple people uh, a couple months ago and I thought it was interesting that that uh you came on board after this conversation but now when i coach a weightlifting team i kind of view weightlifting as eventually becoming i guess uh different i mean i think you're eventually going to have your olympic weightlifting coach your strength coach your mobility coach and your nutritionist that would be a perfect world and um and so i kind of see that happening here you know um in in a way and and that's exciting so i think uh You know, we're starting, we have our, our Olympic weightlifting coaches and, um, and, and all of you guys are really good at Olympic weightlifting because that's what we do. Right. Um, and then, you know, you have a strength background. Glenn was a a power lifter and he has a strength background and, and, um, you know, everybody kind of has a different take on things. So. Yeah. I mean, if you look at a football team, I mean,
3: that's kind of how they are. I mean, of course, I never played football. I'm not into that. Oh, just go wrestling. (laughs) That's, that's much better. Uh, I'm curious,
0: too, where I'll fit in. You know, like, um, right now I just want to learn, you know, from Don and Glenn, of course. But I'm curious, you know, I don't want to, like, I don't know what they'll have me do exactly. But uh, obviously, you know, strength and conditioning, you know, I've got that. And so, and I, and I, obviously, I coach Wade too, but I'm curious to see how it all will work. But it should be like that. It should be where you have somebody who's really good, and specialize in each areas. That's how you get a great team, like a football team.
3: Yeah. So, and it's, it'll be interesting to see that dynamic and yeah. how it plays out. Just like me you're too. saying,
0: I'm excited. I'm just gonna do whatever they tell me to do. So, <laughs> right. so I'm the, not trying to like rock the boat, you know. <laughs>
1: with, with wrestling as a sport, what were you saying, James? Oh well, just
3: you know, I mean, uh, wrestling, just like the differences. You got your technique coach, and then
1: you got the strength coach. Um, Take down. Yeah, a yeah. Conditioning coach who makes you run sprints well, all day. Kills you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, and then of course, uh, wouldn't leave this out. Maybe we'll get a sports psychologist on that here would sometime. Yeah. I think that would be huge. You know? Yeah. yeah.
1: If you, uh, if
3: you got the Kenny Powers type attitude where it's just like, uh, I've been watching Eastbound and Down, so I'm all about it. <laughs> uh, kind of shut off to a sports psychologists, and sometimes they can help out more than you think. Shoot,
0: this sport is nothing but mental, man. We all know that. I mean, oh, like, one day you can snatch 171, the next day you can't, you can. It's just, it's like that one day your mind was like awake yeah. and alert. And how do you do that all the time? Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, you know, I actually saw, I went and saw a sports psychologist for a couple of sessions back uh, home in uh New York before I came down, just to give her a plug. Her name was Christy Waters in uh, Elmira, New York. But um both my girlfriend, my girlfriend's a, a wrestler at the Olympic Training Center, national champion, world team member as well. And we went together and we thought it was great. I mean, I mean, I, like, she asked what, you know, our, what we thought our mental weaknesses were or just our weaknesses. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like she held a, you know, wash in front of my face and I fell asleep, but, you know, <laughs> I was real relaxed and then I actually, like, fell asleep and, but I was still conscious to what she was saying. Um, and some of the things I told her about, you know, I found improvement after just a couple of sessions. Um, and my girlfriend. Th- sick. Th- thought she had, like, real significant improvement. She went to her next match in a, uh, a bronze medalist at the Olympics who she had never beaten. She beat her after like a few weeks after that session. I mean, we need to
0: get her down here, dude. Yeah. That's I mean, awesome.
2: I, I, after that, I'm a firm believer of, of sports psychology. That's for
0: sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. So.
3: You know, I think I took a sports psychology class in college and, uh, you know, they were, they talked about all the different techniques that, uh, Sports psychologists will use. They didn't, weren't actually teaching us to be sports psychologists. Um, but it was kind of neat. And I think one of the, the biggest things that I got helped with was, um, he kind of treated us like patients to like kind of give us like the, uh, the experience of what you would have as a sports psychologist. And, uh, one of his things was goal setting. And I got a lot out of the goal setting thing. And that's right when I was starting weightlifting. And I was like, oh yeah, I'd like to, uh, do this so when i was in that class is actually when i started setting goals for weightlifting when i'd been doing weightlifting for just a couple of months or something once i found out that i really enjoyed it uh you know and i said find a coach go to nationals uh and then eventually get on a national team um there you were you know and then it was kind of neat cuz then it gets you in the uh, in the steps the uh teach you how to break your goals down how to do things to make it achievable uh, so it's really a lot more valuable than you think. There's the short term things that they can help you with there too, but then there's also the long term things. And I'm sure that depends on each individual, uh, sports psychologist, but either way, they're definitely a, val- a very valuable, uh, asset to a team. No doubt.
0: Like I said, I think it's becoming a master of the mundane. It's whoever does that is who ends up making it. You know, that's the guy who goes to the Olympics.
2: All those little things you talked about that make 1% to half a percent, you know, you add sports psychology and you know these little gpp things at the end of your workout working on weaknesses you add two or three percent i mean really and that's something travis and i talked about the other day too based on the ranking system that they choose for the olympics yeah two to one to three percent will make the difference between making it or not no doubt it's
0: It's a game of inches no doubt
2: those little things make the difference in the end
3: yeah so what can i do to get like 10 percent
2: Grow
0: your beard once.
2: It's easy top beard.
3: Go to yeah, a different yeah. country and do other stuff. You know, I mean? you know, I, I caught my beard again on the, uh, on a push press of all things. On a push, push press. press? Yeah, when I was lowering the push press down. You're doing it in front. Yeah, in front. Yeah, yeah. You so. should braid
0: it. Have you ever thought of it? You look like a pirate. Shane uh, Hammond braided his. Yeah, no, it, yeah. Looks yeah. Sick. Yeah. it looks sweet.
3: Uh, you know what? I might. I've got a little, um, hairband that I put on every once in a while when I'm, when it gets long enough to get caught on the clean. And I'll use that, but I've never braided it. You need to braid it. You know, I, I think, like, just the way that my beard is shaped is, uh, you know, it has to be like three braids. It can't just be one. Uh, so I think I'd look a little yeah. bit more like that, uh, the pirate off of that Caribbean movie, uh, Pirates of Pirates the Caribbean. Pirates of Caribbean, yeah, yeah. 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 You know,
0: my favorite hook grip, um, video of all time was him at Pan America's coming up out of the water and shaking his beard like a dog. It was so, it was like, <laughs> slow motion. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, Somebody requested that we do a beard episode. Um so now that we had Travis on here too. Yeah. And uh you, where,
0: where you at, man? Dude, uh, yeah. I can grow a peach buzz. <laughs> oh, if okay. you guys want to talk about
3: that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I yeah.
2: I mean, it's it's part of it. You got have to talk to just, about I'll it. I'll have to just grow my hair back out and we'll talk about my hair.
0: Go long hair? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Then I watch a video of you like um like maybe two thousand eleven or twelve at the Nationals passing out. Did that, was that you that did that? That was me. Yeah, that was me, yeah.
2: yeah. That cost me the win, man.
0: That pass out did.
2: I, I blacked out on the first one. I saw it, yeah. That or the next two lifts would have won the event. Well, <sighs> tentatively, uh, looking back, you never know. But that, that, yeah, any of those lifts added with my snatch were enough to win. Yeah. <sighs> yeah,
1: so that sucked.
0: That sucked. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess we have just about done an hour here that was a good one Um, yeah so your your daughter's in town travis and uh and we're gonna let you get out of here so you can spend some time with her um but yeah it's good to have you here so i think that was actually a really good episode i think there was good dynamic here um so we're excited to have you on more episodes have you in the gym look forward to it and um and yeah we'll hopefully see you guys next week no doubt see you then